right, I hope everyone's doing well this morning. Uh, clearly, that was not all the video. Something, something happened there and it skipped ahead. So, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll watch it later or maybe you can go home and watch it. <laughs> Who knows? It was, it was a nice video that was really good. It was really, really good. So, well, without further ado, happy Mother's Day to everyone. We really appreciate all of you. We appreciate that you are here. We appreciate all that you do. Um, and that video was really going to set me up really well to be able to just say, aren't mom and, moms and dads so different? Really? I mean, it goes through this whole thing, and it's like, and, and, and it's, it's just seeing, trying to see it through the eyes of the mother and, and being cautious and, and looking at him and go, oh, don't fall and hurt yourself and, and uh, seeing the, this adorable, beautiful masterpiece and really it's just paint all over the place and, and just trying to vi envision the way our mothers um, see us so differently. Um, I, I can think of when I, when I look at our, our relationship in my home, um, when, when I sit down with Mirambe, my daughter, four-year-old daughter, we sit and watch Star Wars Clone Wars. When Sarah sits and watches with Mirambe, they watch Sophia, some little princess thing. When Mirambe and I get together, we play video games. Sarah sets up fancy tea, tea cups and has tea. I think about uh, some of those differences between mom and dad. And I'm going to give you a few here, but I'm going to ask if you guys can get me back to the PowerPoint here because I'm going to use some of these slides. No, I appreciate it. We don't need to do it right now. We're getting there. We're getting there. Oh, boy. The advantage of having technology, right? It is. It is. There we go. All right, you ready? So some of the differences between mom and dad, ready? So mom says, don't jump too high, right? You're on the trampoline. You're going to fall off the edge. Be careful. What does dad say? How high can you jump? I picture like going to like summer camp and you got that blob thing where everybody jumps on and sends a kid flying, right? And, and the, the instructors are all like, okay, one person, be careful, don't fall off, make sure you wear your life jacket. And then you've got those couple guys, and they're like, who are the biggest guys in this camp? We need to all three jump at the same time and see how much air we can get on that kid. Mom says, let's get a Band-Aid. What does Dad say? Just rub some dirt on it. Mom says, buckle up, there's crazy drivers on the road. Dad says, buckle up, I'm going to try something. <laughs> Mom says, eat your vegetables. And I, I bet you most of you have done this because my dad did this so many times. Dad says, who wants ice cream? Can't tell you how many dinners I had that were ice cream when my mom was working uh, part-time for a while. Uh, dad wouldn't want to cook, and he'd go, all right, guys, who wants some ice cream? And let's not even start. Should we poll our dads this morning and find out how many of them have ever told their kids, don't tell your mom? Moms and dads are quite different. And while not always true, I want to stress that, while not always true, moms do tend to worry more than dads. Um, I remember when I first started playing hockey at four years old. I mean, just moms, react to that for a moment right now. 
four years old playing hockey. I wanted to play goalie. Right? Sit, sit in the net, have all the pucks fired right at me. Guess what my mom's response was? Not happening. Not until your head can reach that crossbar. All she could picture was this six-ounce puck made out of something called vulcanized rubber flying at my head. I was not allowed to play goalie. But it was not long before I was playing goalie. And I still am told stories of the first time I played goalie. There's a collision in front of the net. I fall backwards into the net, and I lay there motionless. My mom and grandma are freaking out. And my dad is yelling from the bench, Zach, get up! My helmet was tangled in the net, and I was stuck. Oops. And to this day, I still hear, you couldn't just move a little so we know you were okay? If I were to ask you what a mother's number one fear is, how would you probably reply? What do they fear about the most? Probably has something to do about their kids, right? It's not that fathers don't fear for their children as well, but it tends to manifest itself a little differently. I mean, seriously, how many of you fathers have actually said, don't tell your mom? I know I have. Now, I know this is Mother's Day, and I'm specifically referring to mothers, but we have to understand this applies to all parents and really to anyone who has any amount of care or concern for someone else at all. When we express fear for others, it comes from a place of concern and care. Parents fear for their children because they love them. I could stand here and tell you that your fears are irrational. But the reality is, is what if they're not? Because sometimes they aren't. Let's look at one in particular. How many of you mothers out there fear that you won't be or aren't good mothers? Do you ever worry you won't have the answer? You'll do something wrong or you'll just break your kids? Am I supportive enough? Am I strict enough? Am I losing my children? Is it my fault? Some of you may have children who have grown and taken a destructive path for their lives. And some, maybe they're younger children or teens, and you fear you're going to lose them. I want to do two things today. I want us to quit connecting the quality of a parent with the life choices of their child. And I want to try to give us a starting point for defining what a good parent is by using the example of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. I've had many experiences, as I'm sure many of you have as well, with parents who couldn't be described as anything but bad parents. There is such a thing as a bad parent. We will not say that at all. That's sometimes why Mother's Day, Father's Day can be very difficult for some families. There are some people that should never be allowed to be responsible for a child or another person. Our choices as parents have a profound impact on the future of our children. That's without a doubt. It's, it's not a coincidence that many of our children take on the same mannerisms as their parents and often make the same mistakes. But do the actions of the child determine the quality of the parent? I remember one experience that we had in Oswego, New York. For those of you who don't know, I spent um, about six and a half years as a pulpit preacher in upstate New York. And while I was there, there was an older mother who had an adult, uh, an adult child who 
could not stay away from drug abuse. She had detoxed in their home multiple times and had been, jailed tw- and had been in jail twice already. Then everything finally seemed to be correcting itself. She was at home, newly married to a seemingly decent guy, and seemed to be getting her life together. But then the family was blindsided. The police raided the home and they found a meth lab in the garage. The parents were devastated, especially the mother. I'm sure that this mother had made her fair share of mistakes. I mean, we had our conflicts with her at times. But I'm also sure with confidence that I could call her a good mother. Her child's failings did not make her a bad parent. And she needed to hear one thing. If our definition of a good parent is that of well-behaved children, then we must understand that God essentially is the worst parent of all time. Look at the track record of his children. With everything in their possession, no worries, nothing at all, they were told one thing not to do, and what did they do? Parents, you know that, right? You come home and you're like, all right, guys, you can do whatever you want, but don't do this, right? Maybe it's don't open the fridge because we've lost power or, or don't stick the jeans in with the whites. That's like the one rule of laundry. And then they do it. One read through the book of, well, through any book of the Old Testament and you come to the conclusion that God's children couldn't be any further from godly. Was there any atrocity that they had not committed? Incest, rape, murder, drunkenness, hate, idolatry, abuse, You name it, they did it. So then is God a bad parent? There should be an obvious answer here, correct? No. This is why he's called the good father. And so in Oswego, this is all that mother needed to hear right then. Just because your child has failed does not mean that you have failed them. In our search for the definition of a good parent, I think we need to start with being a faithful parent. A parent who is faithful to their child by first, being faith, first and foremost, being faithful to God. Look at the way that God responds to his misbehaving children in Hosea 11. It says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called... And the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. You ever feel that way? The harder you try, the more they push away. Let's face it, we're not the good father, right? So sometimes there is some responsibility there, but sometimes we have to realize that this is just fallen humanity, struggling with identity, trying to figure out who we are, especially as teenagers. God describes the way he loves his most troubled of children, Ephraim. The tribe of Ephraim was the worst of the worst. The more they were called, the more they went away from me. 
the harder I try, the worse it seems to get. But this is one of the most incredible pieces of Scripture in the Bible. For ten chapters, God has been laying out their crime, saying, you did this, you did this, you did this, and this is what you deserve. And with hand raised, you can just feel it. He is about to come down upon them. Everything is about to fall apart. The punishment is coming. Ready to strike. Suddenly it's like God is overcome with emotion. But you are my child. On the cusp of giving them everything they deserve. A few verses down in verses 8 and 9, God says, There we go. How can I give up on you, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. This must be the foundation of what it means to be a good parent. Never giving up on our children. And always being faithful to them by being faithful to God, the faithful one. And this brings us to the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel. The scripture that was read before the sermon was the song that Hannah sang. And she sang out to God after She'd handed her child over to the Lord in a quite literal way. After she had walked into the um, house of the Lord and said, here, you raise him in the name of the Lord. And then she sings praises to God. In 1 Samuel 1, we find that Hannah is barren and desperate for a child. Her husband is a second wife named Peninnah, who had many children. And Hannah was the favorite wife. But for that, Peninnah would torment her regarding her barrenness. In tears, she came to God in prayer. She was so emotional that the priest, Eli, thought she was drunk. Eli, who was also a prophet of God, told her that God would give her a son. Now, I'm sure that there are some of you who, for whom this struggle has felt very real. Well, everything except maybe for the second wife part. But let me tell you something. If you read through your Bible, you're going to find... One thing very consistently, every time a barren woman is mentioned, something incredible is about to take place. Think about this for a moment. The mother of Isaac, the mother of Jacob and Esau, the mother of Joseph, the mother of Samuel, the mother of Samson, and the mother of John the Baptist were all considered barren. God works in our weakness. Now Hannah, who is finally pregnant and bears a son, and what's the one thing she's never going to do now? Now that she finally has that son, all those tears, all those prayers, all that time, what's the one thing she is never going to do? She's probably never going to let that boy out of her sight, right? No. Instead, Hannah does something incredible. She names her child Samuel. And then takes him to Shiloh, to the house of the Lord, for him to be raised there and to be given over to the Lord. Hannah has prayed for this all her life, and when she finally receives, she 
gives him away. Is Hannah completely insane? No. But she is completely faithful. Hannah understands something that we all must understand. Not only do we need to stop identifying a successful parent with the success of our child, but we need to understand that there is only one truly good parent. And he is God the Father. There is only one parent who will raise our child, who will look after them without failure, without faults. And that is not you or me. We are broken and we will make mistakes. And there's no way around it. And I know that it's Mother's Day and I'm supposed to say, oh, mothers are so perfect and they're so wonderful, but mothers are also so broken and so struggling. They're just a lot better at hiding it than a lot of us. But brokenness isn't bad. It's only when we come forward with our brokenness and we say, yes, I am broken and yes, I do need help, that God works in our weaknesses. Not our perceived strengths, not in our pride, in our weaknesses. It's the mother that tries to be perfect that will fall the hardest. It's not perfection that we need from our mothers or our parents in general. But it's that we need them to rely on the perfect one. Being a good mother, a good parent, begins by being a faithful one. Give your children to God. Say, God, take them, protect them, guide them, and use them in your way, not mine. Sound familiar? We've heard that anywhere. Your will, not mine. We're not capable of providing for our children in every way that they need. But we are capable of giving them to the one who is. Don't underestimate the power of one mother being faithful to their child by handing them over to God in prayer. In Ezekiel chapter 22, 30 and 31, Judah is about to be overrun by the Babylonians and taken into captivity. And God says to them, I sought just one who would stand in the gap. He tells them that I wanted just one person to step up and be faithful. If but one, he says, I would have saved them. God just said that if even one person had stood up and prayed, intervening on the behalf of the whole nation, he would have saved them all. But there was none. To be a faithful mother, to be a good parent, starts with being that one. That one to stand in the gap and carry our children to God in prayer. To hand them over to him and say, they are yours. Your will, not mine. It's for this reason that Hannah sings to God after giving her long-awaited son away to him. Listen to some of the words that she sang. It's not by strength that one prevails. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. Those who stumbled are armed with strength. Frankly, I read that and I go, I sure hope I'm the one that stumbled. I want to be the broken one if that's what I get. You'll notice as you read scripture that God is always at his best when things are at their worst. There's no such thing as the last minutes. There's only perfect timing. The greater the distress, the greater our God. And so in closing today, mothers, 
Take all of your fears, take all of your anxieties, all of your worry for your children, and lay it upon God. Hand it over to the God who provides. Today, celebrate with your family in peace and contentment. And let the joy of the Lord be your strength. And children, today, let us celebrate our mothers without giving them anything else to worry about. Right? Looking at some of you. Right? This is a good day to practice that uh, verse, do all things without complaining or arguing. Just hold on to that for a little bit, just for one day at least, today. Let us assure them that God is working and present and that we are ever thankful for their sacrifice, their tears, their worries, and their anxieties. Let's today give them peace and rest and be a source of joy. As we close the song, I invite you to come forward, any who wish to take, the, take on the Lord in baptism, handing over their lives to his grace and his guidance. If that is you, know that you have been prayed for and that you are called to come as we stand and as we sing.